I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood, the insane joy and the anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes, water wipes are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal to protect and gently cleanse sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. In episode one of this series, we spoke to Emma of This Mama Doodles about her postnatal mental health. She described her postnatal depression not as sadness, but more of a disconnect, a fatigue, a kind of colourless life. And it prompted us to ask women on social media about their signs, symptoms and emotions. And we learned that for many, they are trying to contend with unwanted feelings of anger and rage, no matter how much they love their families. And so we asked psychotherapist, mother of one and founder of Sparkback, Anne Morgan, to join us to help explain why we feel these things. We talk about how our emotions are a language that we've just forgotten to speak, how anger showing up can mean our own needs are repeatedly not being met, how fatigue, loneliness, and the daily mental load of motherhood can lead us to snap. It's often something minor, like the buggy not collapsing or having to ask 20 times for shoes to be put on. It can feel irrational in the moment, yet unavoidable. And we talked about how it's okay to feel these feelings, but to learn how to regulate them. And most of all, how important it is to listen to what our bodies need and care for ourselves daily. Anne, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. I have wanted you on for a very long time. A lot of it to talk about career redirection, the work that you're doing on Sparkback, what we need to learn as women, as mothers around our careers and everything like that. However, it is a particular topic that I want to talk to you about today, which has kind of come about because of episode one of this season with Emma from this uh, from Mama Doodles because that conversation sparked a whole lot of revelations around how women feel about their maternal mental health. In that conversation Emma speaks so openly about the experiences that she had after her first and after her second and the different types of mental illness she, she experienced, one of which was PND. And I asked on my Instagram to, to start a conversation around postnatal depression, to start talking about how many people following me had actually been diagnosed with it, how many people had 
suspected that they had it and not be diagnosed with it? And what were the symptoms women were feeling when it came to the emotional challenges that they faced as, as, as mothers? And it wasn't sadness necessarily, um, although that was part of it. But there was so much rage and frustration and irritability and no patience and just an eruption of this feeling. And I've seen you write about this and speak about this. And I'm like, aha, Anne will make sense of this for us. <laughs> oh, well, firstly, Sinead, thanks so much, because I have wanted to be on this podcast for so long, too. I love this podcast and I love what you're doing and I love the conversations. And, you know, as you said there, just even that conversation that you had and then what you were posting on your own social media, it is about helping one another feel less alone with some of these issues that come up. And like you said, you know, there are a lot of people out there that don't fit the diagnostic criteria for postnatal depression or anything like that. And I think even for myself, I was a bit like that. So I'm a mom of a four year old girl and my experience was very difficult in the beginning. But again, you know, I, I knew I didn't fit the criteria. I knew I wasn't sad. You know, I just couldn't really work out what I was feeling. And because of that, then, because I didn't seem to really fit neatly into a box, I felt like I was just free floating, you know, going, I don't know what I am. I just am finding this so challenging and nobody is talking about it. So therefore, this must be a problem on my end or something that I'm doing wrong rather than actually a, a very common thing that women are facing. So, yeah, I think the conversations that you're having with the podcast and the conversations as well that I've been seeing a lot on social media over the last two years have been amazing. And actually kind of what I wish I had when I, when I became um, myself, you know, they're, they're definitely really important to What's, be hearing. What seemed to surprise a lot of people that joined in in that conversation um, on my Instagram was you know, as you said, I, you know, you kind of hear, firstly, you hear too little of the, of the actual experience of mm -hmm. maternal mental health. Um, and then when you do, the word depression makes you assume it's just sadness. Yeah. Yeah. And therefore you kind of, uh, disassociate yourself because you're like, oh, I'm not sad. Like, yeah. I, I might not be as elated and colourful and enthusiastic about things as I've always been, but I'm really tired. I'm really sleep deprived. I don't mm. have the same things that fill up my cup as I used to. I'm mm. not adjusting so well to the new levels of responsibility. I might miss my identity. I might miss my body. I might miss work. I might miss my relationships. You know, so there's a certain level of readjustment that naturally goes on before it kind of hits illness level. You know, yeah. and, I, and I think that's important to acknowledge, like long before you're at illness, it's still really uncomfortable, this yeah. transition. It um, is, yeah. But when women started to respond to my question boxes, then it was like rage, anger, anger, rage, rage, yeah. anger, anger, rage. It's like, oh, oh, there's a lot. And, and, and when I started posting that, then my DMs were like, oh, me too. I didn't know that. Oh my God. I thought it was just, oh, 
are a lot of women feeling anger and rage? Yeah. <laughs> and I and I didn't have the answers. I don't yeah. know. I don't have the answers. I'm yeah. just asking the questions. Yeah. And it seems that a lot of women have a lot of anger and a lot of rage. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from my own experience, as a ther- like I'm a, a therapist and a coach and with my therapy work, I would say that since I have started in my own private practice, I'd say about 97% of the women that come to me, I specifically work with mothers um, in private practice, but 97% of them would come to me and on that first session would say, I don't recognize myself anymore. I'm really angry. I was never this person. And the more sessions that I had with people, the more I remember there was one night in particular that I went to bed and I just lay in bed and I got really upset, but I actually got upset for like the new mother version of me because I wished that I had known that this was so common. You know, I wish that I had actually delved a bit deeper into it or maybe reached out, but you don't know where to go. You don't know who to have these conversations with because no mother who has experienced, you know, bringing life into the world, especially if it has been so longed for, wants to admit, actually, I'm filled with rage. I don't love every minute of this. In fact, sometimes I hate it and I want to run away. Like that's totally against everything that we are conditioned to believe motherhood is. So it's very painful, A, to admit that to yourself, but then to actually admit that to anybody else. So we're struggling in silence, we're pushing those feelings down and it's like a pressure cooker, you know, you you add the heat to it and, and the water starts to boil and build up the pressure. And if you go to take the top off when it's like that, it's just gonna explode everywhere. And that's what I feel like it is like for a lot of mothers, particularly during this pandemic. It's it's huge at the minute. Um, it, it's really, really, it's happening so many people that I can't even begin to describe it. And, but yeah, as I said, like with myself, that moment that I just lay in bed that night and thought, I wish I had known this, you know? So that's why actually I started kind of posting more about it because I was like, I don't want to become the rage lady (laughs) on social media. But I was like, I just feel this is so important for people to understand that, you know, this is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation, not just parenting in a pandemic, but your whole identity changing. Everything that you thought that you knew about yourself, you, you've you been birthed as well as your baby, you know? So it's, there's a lot more than we actually give ourselves credit for when we give birth. It's not just that birthing process. It's it's how transformative that is on us as individuals as well and how difficult that can be to navigate especially when we have to kind of fit ourselves back into the life that we were in before be that in your job or or whatever that may be relationships friendships you know we don't kind of acknowledge that sometimes we grow out of things or our values change or things like that so we're still trying to fit ourselves neatly back into something that doesn't work for us anymore and that's that's really painful to acknowledge that too emotions rise in response to I don't know they're like they're trying to tell us something it's a language 
Yeah. It's a language that we have forgotten how to articulate ourselves and understand and respond to and be in conversation with ourselves. Yeah. And therefore it's sort of like an eruption. Like maybe there's been lots of warning signs before that, but Mm. we, A, don't have the headspace or the luxury to respond. You know, it's certainly whatever about before the pandemic, but if you're at home, Mm. you know, if you have been at home with your children for the last two years with no support, you're completely depleted of energy resource. You know, the tank is empty. So something might occur in your day that beforehand you would have had capacity to shake off, but it's just not there anymore. No, no. So the eruptions, I I definitely, I, I can so see it now, you know, when things were just, as you said, really pressurized, you know, mm. and there is kind of, you know, there's a real heaviness of anxiety and you're trying to do your best. And it's this feeling of like, at at every turn, your best just isn't good enough. Yes, yeah. And and therefore, if, you know, a dinner gets rejected or the toast doesn't have the right level of butter to jam on it and it's thrown in your face, you're like, oh my God, what do you people want from me? (laughs) You know, and it's something really minor, but it's not. For me, it's a, there's nothing more I can give. There is nothing more I can do. Absolutely. And it's when you're saying that, that comes up an awful lot. And a lot of people will ask me, why is it that something as simple as me doing one thing that seemed really easy, all of a sudden that was the thing that tipped me over the edge or, you know, maybe my tea was cold or something like that. And that was the thing that just made me go, no, enough, I can't do this. And I snapped. And there's one thing that I often do with my clients and I just show them a picture basically of a thermometer. And you know, the way there's like the bulb at the bottom. So it's in color and the bottom is green and then the top is red. And so at the bottom, I'd say we'll put that at like number one and we'll say that that's calm. And then the 10 would be boiling point rage, full on rage. And normally what I'd say to people is when you get up in the morning, notice what level you're at. So are you at a one? Are you waking up perfectly calm, relaxed, or are you actually waking up quite on edge? And if you're waking up, let's say at maybe a four or a five where you're quite irritable, didn't get much sleep the night before, then it's really good to know that actually it's not the one simple thing that just tipped you over the edge. You weren't being irrational. It's just that you actually didn't have as much bandwidth to get from that let's say five to a ten because if you woke up calm and you had a good morning you had from zero to ten you know you had all that space to kind of move up the scale to rage you had a bit more of a gap there but if you wake up at a five and you're irritable or you're frustrated or you're feeling a bit resentful about something something went wrong the day before then it's going to be much easier for you to hit that boiling point of ten a full-blown rage earlier on in your day or just because of some really minor inconvenience that happened to you 
And when I started kind of looking at it like that myself, it kind of took away a little bit of the guilt, I have to say, because I realized like, okay, hang on a second. Why did I wake up at a four or five this morning? Okay, well, I didn't sleep last night. You know, my little one was sick all day yesterday. She was cranky. So I went to bed feeling frustrated. So I woke up in bad form. So therefore my bandwidth for the rest of the day was actually like, I had very small tolerance um, because of, of that I woke up, that I wasn't actually waking up in, in good form. I wasn't relaxed or I didn't wake up with ease I know not many of us actually do as mothers but (laughs) do you know what I mean it's it's so when people kind of say to me I don't know how I went from a one to a ten it's like you weren't at one (laughs) you weren't you probably weren't at one to begin with and that Mm -hmm. gives you a little bit of you know a little bit of compassion that like okay you didn't just flip out over nothing you know you had a difficult night or something happened yesterday that was weighing heavy on your mind and you woke up still thinking of that you know it's not always just zero to ten sometimes you are carrying things with you from the day before or or a little bit further back than that so resentment is a thing Mm -hmm. okay that you just Mm -hmm. you you included it there in something you said and I was like aha yes resentment (laughs) is a thing and if you're talking about starting your day and needing to start your day like way down on that scale in order for you to have the capacity to meet every you know nap that doesn't happen or Mm. um you know car seat struggle or you know nappy change struggle or you forgot the bag or you you were late for the thing and then you were late for getting back that to that email and it just it piles on and piles on and piles on And then there's no sleep. And then there's no recovery. There's no rejuvenation. But often, I'm going to say it, Mm. somebody might get some sleep in the house. (laughs) We all know the somebodies. (laughs) Not going to name names. Yes. But often there is a night shift alert within us that we yeah. sometimes can't switch off. Yes. Certainly as mothers in those early, early weeks, months and years, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm almost, I'm almost awake before the cry begins. Yes, I hear you on that one. Yeah. And even if he does respond, my wake, I, I'm, I've, I have woken up. Um, yeah. And I think just biologically, I can't, even if he is the one going out and trying to resettle, I can't switch off no. while that's happening. No, you still hear the cries. And I still it's, hear it's the cries. That response, yeah. It's just the response, you know, mm. so it's no blame. It's no blame. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but it is still easy to be resentful, you yeah. know. Why were men born with nipples? I don't get it. <laughs> they are pointless. But you can, you can, you know, and that can contribute to the, it's all on me. Yeah. You know, the pregnancy, the birth, the postpartum recovery, if you're feeding, the adjustment of stepping out of everything that you've done, the adjustment of not fitting into your genes, the adjustment, the adjustment, the adjustment, it's all on me. And there can be this resentment brewing, which leads to rage. And it might not be, you know, because of because of something that your child did. Maybe yeah. it can be, be because 
your needs aren't being seen or met. Yeah. And again, there's no blame here. You know, nine times out of ten, I'm sure if your partner could take the take it off you, they could. Mm. But they can't. We're the women in this situation. We have to do the pregnancy. We have to do the birth. Um, but the resentment still still brews. Yeah. Yeah. How do we stop that? <laughs> Well, I can safely say from my own experience that yes, I have felt that. I have definitely felt it on numerous occasions and he will kill me when I say this because he will listen and be like, Anne, did you have to go there? But it's natural, you know, we do because I don't think any of us ever really expect the amount of nonstop responsibility that's on us. Like it never seems to end. But one of the things that I was very much guilty of and that I do see in a lot of women is this sense of, okay, well, I kind of have to do it all. And how can he not see that I am struggling? Can he not see that I need help? Or can the people around me not realize that I'm at breaking point? And there was one stage where I was so exhausted. I remember I was changing Lily. I had her up on the changing table and I hadn't been sleeping well. And I was changing her and I felt really dizzy. And within half a second, I was on the floor and she was screaming, crying. And I was lying on the floor. I didn't know what had happened to me. And it really gave me a fright. It gave her a fright. I booked into the doctor and the doctor just said, oh, you're clearly exhausted. Mm. And I said, well, yeah, (laughs) you know, Mm. and But I remember walking out of the surgery that day and thinking, okay, he stated the obvious, you know, but at what point am I going to get really clear about what it is that I need? And when am I going to stop waiting for somebody else to pick up the pieces for me? It was almost like, and and it's funny because I've heard this so much in my work and sometimes we have a bit of a laugh about it because sometimes therapy, you need to have a giggle. This whole fantasy of, well, maybe if I ended up in hospital from exhaustion, then that would be my only way of getting a break from the house. I could be in a hospital for two or three days and somebody would have to look after me and everybody, you know, so many people have been there, have said that. Again, it's completely normal fantasy and motherhood. But for me, I got home and I just realized that like nobody is going to fix this for me. You know, I should want them to. I want them to. There's that's not taking the blame away from people. That's not saying like they don't have a responsibility to help. But we do have we give so much of our power away from the minute we get pregnant, from the minute we start reading the books, from the minute we go to the the classes, we start looking outside of ourselves. And in that sense, I feel that sometimes we disconnect a bit from ourselves. We disconnect with being able to communicate like what my needs are. And for me, and I can only speak for myself, I kind of got into this mode of somebody else is going to actually come and save me here, be that my partner, be that somebody is going to see that I'm really struggling and make this all better. And it was only then when I realized, like, this is going to keep happening me until I get clear on what it is that I need. And I ask for what it is that I need. And the problem is for communication to work, we need to be very clear on what it is we need. And a lot of the time, we don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> the reason we don't know what that is is because we, yeah, exactly a butler i would really like some staff some live-in childcare. yes uh and independent wealth yeah that would be really nice that'd be really helpful um so yeah you know but the thing is as well people then will say but i don't know what i need but we're not giving ourselves any space to actually work out what is it that I need. But all I can say to you, and you said it there earlier, is that anger, it is a messenger. It's not a bad emotion. It's not a good emotion. It just is. It's like any other emotion that comes up. It is trying to signal that something in you needs attention. And the problem is most of the time we go, oh, I don't have time. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm just angry. It explodes. We feel the guilt. We don't reflect on why we felt like that in the first place. We just try to repair with our kids and then go on the next day, taking on everything. And sometimes I think this can be hard to hear, but I have to say it because I've been there and I've experienced this. There is a level of this that we do need to take ownership for is that, as I said, you know, we can't expect that somebody is always going to come and save us. At some point, we do need to say, I need to maybe it's sacrifice the time that I spend on my phone with time actually just sitting down and saying, okay, why was I feeling like that? Like what happened to me that I felt like I just was overcome by rage there? What else was I feeling? Like that, even that question, what else was I feeling underneath all that rage, underneath all that anger? What was happening for me? What did I feel was going on did I feel like I wasn't heard did I feel unsupported did I feel really alone with everything you know we have to try and I guess dig a little bit deeper to find out what those needs are because otherwise when we're trying to communicate to somebody what it is we need it can kind of get into this back and forth argument where they're getting defensive saying oh you're not you're saying I'm not doing enough and you're like that's not what I'm saying I'm trying to get you to help me a little bit you know, and it's just two people arguing with one another. There's no clarity and nothing gets resolved. And then that's just more stuff that you have to take on and carry around with you. And we don't need more of that. We need less. You know, so be that that you carve out like five minutes for yourself where you instead of watching Netflix or instead of doing something at night, you know, do something really nice for yourself read a book you know spend five minutes just reflecting on your day like what went well for me today what didn't go so well you know but just have those couple of minutes for yourself we can find them we say that we can't but like they are there but unfortunately we're often kind of filling them up with Mm. things that aren't necessarily good for us and if you think of the social media thing if you're already feeling that level of discomfort in your body or you feel that you're not doing a good enough job and then you go on social media and you add in other people's images of perfection of I was out at the park today with the kids and we had a great time and they're juggling everything and you're feeling like you can't do anything well enough that then is going to add to that stress. You know, whereas that's 10 minutes that you could actually be taking something, taking some time away to do something that you enjoy, that nourishes you, that energizes you, something that reconnects you with yourself. Um, Because that's the thing. I think as mothers, we're just constantly kind of looking outside of ourselves for the advice. This podcast is just one way that every mom can support you. 
Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. Do you see instances with the women that you talk to in, in, your, in your work that they stop doing things for themselves? They've become so conditioned, you know, it's this kind of kind of martyrdom of motherhood that I never signed up to. But yes, you know, there I am and they're in, you know, they're in their lovely warm baths with their lovely products and they're this. And I'm like, you know, and then it it can be evening time and it might be suggested, well, why don't you go have a bath now? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm just too wrecked. Yeah, yeah. You know, or and 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 look, I completely, you know, I completely fall into the trap of as soon as they're asleep, not doing good things for me because it's like I want to steal back my time. Yes, yeah. you know, what and, is it the revenge procrastination? Yeah, the revenge. Yeah. Procra- you know, I, you know, of course I should be going to bed, um, yeah. and I don't. I stay up. I want to talk I want to connect I want human connection I want sorry adult connection yeah um I want to feel in control again but Mm -hmm. somewhere along the way something in my brain has changed which kind of doesn't jump to doing positive acts for me anymore yeah because for so long I've probably denied myself it and therefore my brain just goes, oh, we don't do that anymore. Okay, cool. I'll stop asking. No, yeah. no, don't worry. I'll stop asking. Okay. Great. don't live here anymore. <laughs> I don't live here anymore. I've moved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that I'm definitely recognizing in myself um, after, you know, a year of a second baby where you just give and give and give and give and give and give and give. Yeah. And you don't replenish. I just didn't yeah. replenish. So now my body just doesn't ask for it anymore. Um, I need to get over that. But when you say anger is a response, mm. is, there, is there generally, and every single woman and every single circumstance is absolutely different and unique, but is there a pattern of what it possibly is asking for yeah well as you said it is different for everybody but normally anger will kind of come up as an emotion that hides other emotions that are underneath so anger would be a very kind of empowering emotion so it's almost like when you feel that you've been overlooked or you haven't been seen or heard for a while all of a sudden anger comes along and it's so loud and it's so fiery and it's a real, you will notice me emotion, you know, it like the raised voice, the change in the face, all of that kind of thing. It commands attention. So normally when you're at that point that you get to anger, it's because there are these other emotions that have been bubbling up underneath that you have kept kind of going, Oh, we won't deal with that today. No, we won't deal with that. You know, and the anger or the emotions that tend to kind of bubble up underneath the surface tend to be more, I guess, in a way, 
you might call them more disempowering emotions, you know, so feeling vulnerable, feeling like you aren't heard, feeling unloved, you know, things that aren't often the most comfortable to communicate with other people Mm -hmm. also aren't the most comfortable emotions to feel. So things like grief, you know, sadness for the life that maybe you left behind, the things that you can't do anymore. But no, we can't talk about that because mothers shouldn't grieve their own life because now they have everything that they should have ever wanted. Um, But that's not necessarily how it is. But the more that we're pushing down those emotions because we don't want to acknowledge them because they're not in line with what we believe motherhood is, then anger is like, okay, well, if you're not going to listen to them, you're going to listen now. You know, so I have shared it actually before, um, but anybody can look it up online. It's it's just called the anger iceberg. And it's a really good illustration, which just shows, you know, that the top of the iceberg, the part that's always visible is anger. But often what is underneath are these more uncomfortable emotions, these ones that we don't often want to tackle head on because they make us feel that bit more vulnerable. So tuning into them, that's why that question like you know when you're reflecting back on okay I was really angry last night that wasn't great I blew up whatever rather than just going into that guilt spiral of I'm terrible mother or the shame it's actually to kind of ask yourself and what else was I feeling and really keep asking that that question to yourself and what else was I feeling and what else was happening for me you know, what else was going on? What else has been going on over the last couple of weeks? Because sometimes it is a case of, okay, I feel really unloved. I feel disconnected from my partner. Um, maybe it is that I just don't feel like I'm good enough. So this has triggered something in you that maybe is even rooted in your childhood of feeling like you're not good enough, you know? So we do a lot of this obviously in therapy, but it is something that you can do yourself. And there's a video I shared a, a good while ago, but um, Tara Brack, who is, she wrote, I think it's um, Radical Acceptance or Radical Compassion. It's one of the two books that she has there. And I love her work. And she uses this technique called RAIN, which I've mentioned before. It's to recognize the emotion when it comes up to acknowledge it for what it is, to investigate it. So again, you'd be just asking, and what else? And what else might have been feeling? And then to nurture it, you know? So really it's, if you can, when the feeling is there, recognize, name it, see where it's showing up in your body. So, you know, sometimes when you're feeling angry, you'll notice that your jaw is getting clenched. So even just asking yourself that question, how does my body notice when I'm getting angry? So do my shoulders start tensing, you know, and just see if you can kind of relax all those areas a little bit more. And then acknowledging that it's there, that it's not good or bad, that you're not trying to judge it in any way. We're just accepting, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. And that's okay. Um, And then again, that investigate, what else might might I be feeling here? What are the stories that I'm telling myself around this emotion? Because that's a big thing. Is the stories because it was something that I read a while ago. Um, I think she was a neuroscientist and it kind of changed. It, it was one of those like aha moments for me as a mom where I was like, oh, this is interesting. She said that an emotion on a chemical level in the body, it takes 30 seconds to move through your body and then it's gone. And actually what keeps the emotion going is what happens in the mind. So the story that you're telling yourself. Yeah. 
So if you think about it, you know, you could feel disappointment about something, but then you'd be saying, you know, okay, well, he never supports me on this, or this is not the first time this has happened. And he never does this, or she never picks up after herself. And that story is going to make it go on and go on. So that's another question that's quite good to ask, you know, is what's the story that I'm telling yourself, that I'm telling myself here. And then that nurture is sometimes just putting your hand over your heart, closing your eyes and saying, what is it that I need right now in this moment? What is it, A, that I need for myself, from myself? So what can I give myself here that doesn't rely on anybody else? What do I need from me? And then what do I need from other people? And it's just a more compassionate, I guess, approach to our emotions, because when you go through that process and you realize the more vulnerable emotions underneath anger, it's not really as scary anymore. You start kind of going, okay, you know, I'm obviously struggling a little bit here. There's pain here. There's sadness here. There's a sense of disconnection. And for me, that question is always in the back of my mind. If my best friend was coming to me today and she was saying, Anne, I'm so stressed out. I'm working from home. The two kids are here. They're running around like lunatics. The house is upside down. I have to feed them later. They're supposed to eat good food. There's no way I can make good food. It's a microwave dinner today. Would I be telling her do more? Mm. Would I be telling her keep going? Like, what are you doing? Don't drop the ball. No, absolutely not. I would show up as a compassionate person to her. I would be saying, listen, what can I do? Take the load off. You know, what can you strip back here a little bit? Give yourself a break. But we're not talking like that to ourselves. And the only person that can do that is ourselves. I hear that. Hmm. I believe all of that. And at times I feel like it's not possible. Okay. That, you know, who, if we're all, we're all at capacity, you know, like all of my friend group at capacity. Yeah. You know, the, the access to areas of this support that swoops in, it it doesn't exist. You know, you know, the childcare shortage, the, you know, the need for two incomes to be able to, to get a to get a home um the you know if your child isn't is in childcare, that they don't have enough staff so if there's a you know if someone sneezes they're all sent home like the space isn't there the reality of what we're living the space isn't there Mm. and i i fully see that communicating better and earlier and not being this martyr and not signing up to this I have to make it look easy when actually you're working really hard yeah you know and I I see that all the time like for some this I have to make it look like I can just become this new version of myself and it not be disruptive at all yeah. to who I am. Yeah, um, which is not growth. <laughs> like, no. Messy. Messy. You yeah. know, that I yeah. can, I can just 
grow this child, birth this child. And everything around me just goes, whoop, okay, we're in this new universe now and everything's going to be perfect. And yeah. it's not going to have any sort of stress or strain upon you. That's not true. No, absolutely not. And again, that ties into that unrealistic expectation of what it should be like. You know, but I think, you know, you raised a really important point there. There are so many uncontrollables and we have had to do all of this in a pandemic where childcare hasn't been as available and it's bad enough at the best of times anyway. We've been working from home. We've we haven't been able to connect with people. We're hardwired to connect with people. We haven't had that. You know, new mothers haven't had the supports. And I mean, the supports in this country, let's be honest, they're not wonderful anyway, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, unless you're going to actually get yourself up and reach out yourself, which at those early stages, a lot of women can't do. Or, or have a lot of disposable income. Or have a lot of disposable income, which in this country, again, most people don't have. So there are so many uncontrollables and you're dead right. And I never want any of this to sound like, oh, fluffy, fancy, far away stuff. It's that when you look at the things that you can't control, there has to be some level of acceptance of, okay, I can't control this. I can't change this. You know, the kids will be sick some days. That's inevitable. Childcare will fall through work something is going to come up and I'm going to be torn in between the two and I won't know what to do all I can look at is the things that I have influence over and the things that I have influence over are looking after myself and actually paying attention to what it is that I need because nobody can do that work for me and I'll just give you an example for myself when I say that my journey to here has felt horrendous I can say that wholeheartedly it felt like going through now I I'm doing what I always say mothers do where we're like it was horrendous but it's been beautiful you know the two things can absolutely exist side by side and we need to stop saying that it has to be an either or and it was beautiful I would not change a minute of it because it's brought me to where I am now but like you know, Lily at, at three days old, she was taken into hospital. I was told they didn't know she was going to make it. I felt like an absolute failure from day one that this was my body's fault that this had happened. And I carried around with me this low level anxiety that was always there. And I pushed it down so much. And I pushed down the anger, the sadness, the worry, the fears. I pushed everything down to try to be this good mother because I didn't have postnatal depression. So therefore, why should I complain? Mm. And I should have known better. I didn't know better because I was living it. And it took me three years and I had a therapist. So I had good support But it took me a long time of having to go through a lot of darkness to actually come out the other side and now be able to say, it's still not perfect. It's still not right. I still get angry. I still have meltdowns, just like my little one does. But now I guess I can manage it a little bit better. I'm able to communicate more to her when I feel angry. 
And I think that's one of the best lessons that we can actually give our kids. It's not to run out of the room and not let them see us angry. It's to actually say to them, look, make sure they're safe. Obviously, Mm. look, I need to take myself into my bedroom for two minutes. I feel an angry and I need to calm myself down. Do whatever it is, your breathing, whatever that may be to get yourself down a little bit. But to show them by example that, yeah, I am angry. Why wouldn't I be angry? You know, we're going through some really tough times right now. We're all under each other's feet. This is very stressful. We've gone through a pandemic. Obviously, we won't be telling them all that. But, Mm. you know, explaining that anger is a perfectly normal emotion. It's not bad. And then coming back and connecting with them again, because then we're demonstrating that to them. And to be honest, I think half of our issues around anger as women is because, you know, it's all that girls are sweetness and light and everything nice or whatever it is, whatever that saying was, you know, it's, we're not really, anger isn't really associated very well with girls and women. And you think about it at work as well as women that are angry or assertive are often labeled bossy or bitchy or this kind of thing. So our relationship with anger can be quite difficult as women anyway. And I think then we don't expect to feel it as much. And then when it comes up in motherhood, it's even more difficult. It can bring up stuff from our own childhood, how we experienced anger in our homes, how our anger was dealt with, how it was experienced by other people. You know, there's there's a lot that's you're only barely scratching the surface, really. You know, everybody has an individual story with anger. And unfortunately, unless we are willing to really look at what is it that I need here and unless we're actually able to pay attention to our bodies, how is frustration showing up in my body? How do I recognize those simple signs of anger? Because it is very hard when you're at a 10 to get yourself out of there. Like your rational brain is gone you know so in that moment getting yourself out of that situation you can't talk yourself out of it like it's it's not going to happen but if you can start to recognize okay well when I feel resentful this is what I'm like you know my body is doing this you know I might be clenching my jaw I might my heart starts racing whatever it may be but just starting to recognize what let's say anger was on a scale what does each point on that scale show up as for you so that you start to recognize it in advance and intervene then and say, okay, look, even if I get five minutes to myself to do something that is distracting, something that is, you know, energizing or physical that I can get that energy out of me, something that is just relaxing for me, only you know what works for you. That's why this whole self-care thing it's so individual there's no one size fits all that's why therapists generally don't say here's a load of techniques you know because you have to really know the person to see what works for them something that I felt when you were talking there was getting selfish again Mm. and that not being a bad thing that that inquiry of like what do I need Mm. I I I Look, I'm only, just as you were talking, I'm very much tuning into my own self. Yeah. But a sense of, you know, taking care of my children, taking care 
of everything that they need and preempting everything that they need and overpacking everything that they might need and you know being in tune with what comes next yeah and well we'll bring a hat because it might be sunny we'll bring some spf because it might get sunny but we'll also bring some fleeces because it might get cold and we'll bring some wellies because it might get muddy and then we'll arrive and it'll be like oh i didn't even bring a hat for me it's it's and looking at your whole family and everyone being fine because you have done it you have selflessly done the thinking done the caring Mm. and and there will come a point and I think I'm probably there I think you know I'm um and I do think it takes you know, I think it takes the full year after you've had either your first, your second, your third. It doesn't matter if there's a baby in the house. I think it's hard to do this before the first year, in my experience. Yeah, it is. It is. Where you can come back to yourself and be like, okay, I can get selfish again. Hmm. I can say, no, I'm going to do that for me. Hmm. And it's, it's the nature of a newborn. It's the nature of, yeah. you know, you, you, you now exist to keep this little person alive. Yeah. And it takes a long time to unravel that. And to, to trust that it's time. Yeah. And to not feel guilty that it's time. It is mm. time to return to care for you, you and your needs. And, yeah. and, and that that's okay. And that that is actually what they need of you for the long term. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really, really is. I mean, our kids can grow up and know what it's like to be taken care of by us. But when it does come time for them to go out into the big world, they also need to know how to take care of themselves. And... They learn that from so many different places, not just us. The responsibility isn't all on us, but we do model that for them. You know, when I was in bed last night uh, reading, I think it was one of Lily's Mr. Men books or one of them. And it was it was one that was like my mummy and me. I think that was the name of it. And in it, it was like my mummy takes time for herself. Hmm. And Lily said to me, you do that. Hmm. And actually, rather than guilt, I actually felt really proud because it took me so long to do that for myself, you know, and uh, oh, like I will go upstairs and she will still be downstairs saying, mommy, 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 come down. But I said to her last night, I said, yeah, I do. And I said, do you know why I do that? And she just said, yeah, to look after yourself. That's important. And I just thought, wow, Mm. you know, she's four. And there was just that sense of she's got it. Like she, she gets why I do it. It's not, I don't need to feel guilty now about going upstairs for five or 10 minutes to just relax because she gets that that's important now. And it's because I just changed the way I communicated with her as she got older. I started to tell her, you know, mommy's feeling a little bit angry or a little bit frustrated today. Something didn't go right for me. It's not your fault, honey this is my responsibility to look after this and I'm going to manage this 
and we'll do our breathing together so if I get worked up or she gets worked up I'll just take her hands and I'll say come on we'll do our breathing together and she's like a little you know she does this little dragon breathing thing you know and uh, or if we're both feeling a bit cranky we'll get up no matter how tired we are We'll get up and we'll just have a little dance party because that way you're getting that energy, which emotions are their energy. You're getting that energy out. So you're not pushing it down. You're actually moving it through your body as you're meant to. And it's a really nice way of connecting with her. And even if you felt bad before, you often do feel a little bit perkier after doing that, you know. So I just find that we're not doing anybody any favors by being that martyr and even that word I hate that word because I don't think we consciously choose oh I'm going to be the martyr no we don't choose us it's like you said you know we go through that first year of the the baby being utterly dependent on Mm. us that we fall into that very easily because that's our way Mm. you know they are dependent and that's just how it is and it's very difficult to kind of rediscover what it is that energizes you and excites you and you know makes you feel alive makes you feel topped up after you've gone through a year or two years or three years of that whatever time amount that may be and what I think it is really important that we do try as much as we can to model for the kids that like yeah it is okay that we feel like this sometimes stop trying to hide this from them it's okay to feel angry what we are responsible for is how we express that Mm. You know, and that's where I always say to people, don't ever try and push the anger down, you know, process it, let it come out, just do whatever it is that you need to do, be it leave the room, take deep breaths, go out the back door, get some fresh air, Mm. run your hands under the cold tap can also be a quite a useful one or splash cold water on your face, whatever it looks like for you, whatever you find brings you down a little bit. Go and do that because you're showing them responsible expression. You're showing them responsible emotional management, regulation. Um, And to be honest, I know that I will have done numerous things wrong as a mom. I I know now in hindsight that I struggled very badly with anxiety. I didn't recognize it at the time. Took me a long time to admit that that's what was going on for me. Um, So I know I made plenty of mistakes and she's quite a shy anxious little kid now herself and sometimes I go oh you fall into that pattern of all the things I did wrong but something as small as that conversation I had with her last night reminds me of the one or two little things that sometimes I do right as well and the things that I'm going to kind of hand her down Um, and and that to me is really more important than anything is to be able to give her that gift of being able to kind of recognize that her emotions are there they're normal and you know for for anybody out there that's listening and saying like god this last two years has just been awful you know this anger this rage this just (laughs) wanting to fall apart is such a normal reaction to such a horribly abnormal situation we have never had to do this before and this was difficult enough before a pandemic Mm -hmm. but this has just I mean, listen, I will never read another parenting book because I'll be like, talk to me when you've actually lived through parenting in a pandemic and then I might take your advice. <laughs> you know, there's there's never, there's nothing I can read now will ever make mm. me go, okay, that's more experience or 
or more learning than I've gained having to do this in this period. You know, none of us are experts. We're all trying to get through this day by day. But I just, I guess my whole aim with my business and what I do is to just help people to accept those emotional complexities in motherhood, you know, to understand that they are normal, that they can be managed, that it doesn't make you a bad mother, that it does make you a human being. And actually, that's what your kids need to see. You know? I think if you've experienced the last year or two without a moment of anger or rage, mm. there's probably more to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would be very surprised. And, and that's the thing. I think, you know, a lot of people feel so disconnected because a lot of people say to me, but like, none of my friends are like this. It's like they are. They just don't tell you. Mm. So you're sitting alongside each other or you're on your Zoom calls and nobody is talking about us. But trust me, we've all been there. Mm. So, And you know it because in your work, mm. you actually hear the truth from the women that come yeah. to you that need to talk about it. And I think you're absolutely right. It's a, it's, it's a natural emotion. And actually what we do need to pass on to our children is to show them how to regulate it, how to manage it, how to express it and how to move forward past it. You know, yeah. we, we can't expect to be human and not have a full range of human emotions. And rage and anger and frustration, they are natural human emotions at a time when our needs were not being met. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try, I'm going to try, and I am, I'm, I can feel it, I can feel it happening. I can feel returning to, to, to that sense of self and what it is that I need but sometimes it's really good to have these conversations as a reminder yeah and just you know things may have changed since before you had the kids the things that you once loved maybe you're not so crazy about them now and you've discovered something else or yeah. some people like me I seem to have reconnected with a lot of things that I liked when I was a kid that I used to think made me very strange or you know because I was always very shy and very quiet and now I'm like no actually why didn't I stick with that like I loved that but I went down this path of trying to impress everybody else so I mean as I said Sinead it's taken me four years to get to this point we don't know how long it's going to take us um but just I suppose trying to reconnect with ourselves and what is it that really energizes us what tops us up what makes us feel alive and uh trying to do a little bit more of that and a little bit less of the social media comparison the things that drain us the things that make us feel you know that we're less than or that we should be doing more we shouldn't this is about stripping it back not adding to an already overwhelmed plate and thank you so much for joining me tonight thank you great to be on Janae loved it thank you (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Anne Morgan at sparkback.ie on Instagram.